Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Wow. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Hey, welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. You know, it's so interesting because... Um, you know, I, I'm one of these people, I've been doing this show for, wow, I don't know, 2003, and, you know, t- interviewed a lot of people, talked to a lot of people. Tonight you're gonna, you're gonna hear from, uh, you know, one of these folks that is, said yes to taking her passion out into the world. But, you know, you would think after all these years on the radio, all the people I've interviewed, all the books that I've read, that I would learn what kind of show to do. So when I did a show, I wonder if Seth even has this song. So when I did a show about two weeks ago, based on something my mother told me growing up and Kelly Clarkson's smash hit, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger, I should have known then, I should have known then that I was calling something into my life in the universe because I didn't preface this. I didn't say, hello, this is a show about what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I didn't say, and by the way, I don't need this lesson. I've already had it. So it's so interesting to understand and get in touch with some of the lessons that we learn in life. These are spiritual lessons. I don't think there are lessons in life that are not. Tonight, my... uh my dear friend and colleague, C.J. Lou, is going to be joining me here today. She is the host of Fire It Up with C.J. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the spiritual lessons learned as a court mediator. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about her. Similar, She and I have similar pathways, except she had a really good corporate job. I had to kind of, you know, swizzle my way up from the mailroom. But she had a great corporate job. I mean... Imagine this, being part of that Microsoft family, being part of that job security, you know, being part of, you know, living what you thought was your dream. So how do you go from being these, you know, this corporate individual, you know, this person that all of a sudden is drawn to understand and learn about what it means to help other people, other people, what it means to start a coaching career? What it means to help people overcome struggles. What does it mean to learn wellness techniques? What does it mean to get tap, to tap into the very pulse that each of us longs for around living the vision of our lives? So often we have a vision of our lives and so often we compromise that vision for what we think we should be doing. Today, she's going to share with us some of the lessons she's learned beyond Microsoft. You know, beyond trying to balance family, personal, and corporate life, she is someone that that heard, like many of us, that inner voice. And by the way, it's that inner voice that you hear uh, while you're not on 
uh, a high dosage of hallucinogenic drugs. It is the voice that you hear <laughs> when you are crystal clear that your life really does suck and you're trying to do something different. CJ, welcome to the show. I love that intro, Dr. Pat. <laughs> So my God, how many times did you wake up and say, oh, my God, my life sucks? You know what? Actually, it um, it took a while. I, um, I Someone smashed my car from the sidewalk onto – from the road to the sidewalk. Um, I had a series of black cats that constantly was were chasing me around, and then my dad died of a heart attack instantly. Wow. wow. So um, <laughs> wow. I had a lot of that. Jason, and it, it wasn't until all of that happened. Actually, someone broke into my house, stole all of my jewelry. My dad died. I was falling, but that was actually the thing that kind of I just. That's when I just like, okay, I've hit the bottom. That was for me the rock bottom. I think. Wow. Yeah. You know what is it that we look at in uh, in our lives? What What do we do? When we have a realization, right? Because I had, I had, I had kind of an epiphany. But you know, I wasn't smart enough to leave. I had to really orchestrate this so that it was so painful that I had to leave. But you know, what is it like for each of us, you know, to finally get to the place where we understand that we're probably in the middle of a spiritual lesson? You know what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. How do we know this? What was that like for you? You know, it's all it's for me. So mediation was one of those things. I was ostensibly dragged into it by my clients I had, because I had a bunch of clients who were arguing with their husbands about chores, <laughs> of course. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to go get some training on how to mediate um, this kind of dispute among couples, and so um, among two people. And I took a mediation course, and I took it. I had literally, I literally had um, four couples who were interested in this kind of work took a class, it was like a University of Washington, a three-day class, and then I thought, you know what, this is actually really interesting, I like doing this, and then um, started even getting certified as a mediator, so started spending like six months getting some more mediation training, not one of my clients ended up going, coming through to fruition to doing couples counseling, and I thought, you know what? I, I'm not sure how I got into this, but I like it, and in, I know it makes no logical sense, but I'm going to do this. And it was a pull from the inside. You know, my mind was going, this doesn't make any sense. How are you going to explain this to um, people? Because it sounds, it seems like you're just going on some random goose chase. You're doing this and doing that. And actually, before this, I would just finish, I just signed up for doing a yoga, becoming a certified yoga teacher. So in addition to being a yoga teacher, I was becoming a certified mediator, and I still have my coaching practice. So it really felt like pure insanity to me, and it really didn't feel like it felt like a calling because it made no logical sense. It didn't yeah. fit in with my life. Do you know what I, I know. mean? Where it's like oh, I yeah. have to do this, and I was literally called essentially through my clients, but then after I was called to do it, it was something else that was pulling me to continue doing it. Well, I mean, you know, this is really it. I, I totally get, CJ, I totally get what do you tell your friends, family, partner, loved ones, everybody else around you? Right. You know, what do you tell them when you say, uh, you know, I left that corporate job, did not go back, uh, and, oh, what am I doing? Oh, coaching. Oh, what am I doing? Oh, radio. And they look at you like, 
wow, you are so not okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, you could tell that look, right, CJ? Have you ever seen that oh, look yeah, in your I, eyes? I, I yeah. literally got this two weeks ago. I was, I'm coming, I was walking back home with my husband, and I saw a friend of mine from Microsoft, and she said, CJ Lou, oh my gosh, what have you done with yourself? And I was like, what? And she said, so here you were, she described me as an ice princess. Wow. <laughs> ice princess, hardcore, just this hardcore business person. And then I turn, you know, I look on Facebook and you're like talking about love and like, what happened to you? <laughs> that's, that's funny. Crap. I mean, isn't no, that a riot? What? That is a riot, though. I, I mean... Know. Yeah, imagine if we didn't have Facebook, right? I, I mean, you know, the whole so the whole idea of social media and networks and radio and what you and I are doing right now and then what you do at your show. I mean, we are out in the world in a way that I don't think any of us really realized. I know. You know, I mean, it's so interesting. Everything from, you know, being in the studio for watching, you know, people watching and asking you. I got an email today. You know what I got in the email today? Dr. Pat. You need a haircut. Oh, and no. That's I, totally I, unacceptable. I, 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 you know what? <laughs> she was absolutely right. And then my hairdresser emails me because he was listening to the show. He wasn't watching it. And he said, you had to wait till your listeners called you out. I mean, we are so out in the world right now in so many ways. But, you know, part of this, isn't this too part of a spiritual lesson? That we're out there all the time. and We're out there all the time. And, you know, it takes guts. It takes guts to get out there. It takes way more courage to say yes to something that your ego and your family and all logical people go, huh? It takes so much courage to do something that seems kind of crazy but that you have to do anyways because there's a pull inside of your heart probably Mm -hmm. or... There's just a pull inside of your spirit that there's nothing you can do but say yes. And even though fear is surrounding you like a blanket, you know, part of what you have to do is just push through it. Because I tell you, like, after that mediation experience, I was a changed person. Um, I could have taken, like, 20 seminars on forgiveness and Mm -hmm. non-judging and opening up to different perspectives, and I would not have learned as much as I did as a mediator in the courts of Seattle, uh, settling small claims disputes. I learned so much, and it was fun. I was like, it, you know what? It's kind of interesting and fun to be Judge Judy, which is what I was. <laughs> oh, I was just thinking of that. I, you know, when you were talking about it, I was thinking Judge Judy all the way. But let's explain to our listeners what a court mediator is. Because yeah. a lot of people don't know. Do you know there's a lot of people that don't even understand that we have a mediation process? Right. Um, you know, because we're so, we sensationalize all these court shows. I mean, everybody thinks it's all about Nancy Grace, you know. So tell everybody what a court mediator is. Okay. So first of all, there's lots of different ways of settling dispute. Um, what people typically go into the King Courts, the King Courts of Seattle, King County Courts of Seattle, is that, I don't know. They go in there to settle a business dispute. And so they go in there to present all the evidence, um, and then a judge then decides who's right and who's wrong. Well, chances are someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. 
And what you do instead of that process is you can do a mediation process where both parties actually have control over the situation and they can decide what's a win-win for both of them. And so in some ways both of you win versus one person winning and one person losing. And so um, you could have a judge say, okay, you know, I know that you were supposed to do the remodel. It didn't happen. You refund that person $3,000, and uh, and then you, you know, finish the two pieces of work that you said you committed to. Um, in the mediation, you would come up with a whole bunch of other creative solutions that you wouldn't necess- a judge couldn't necessarily come up with in court because they don't have the time and they don't have – they're not there to listen to all the story and the evidence and hear all perspectives. And you certainly don't hear anyone apologizing. In, in mediations, you would have people crying. You'd be ha- having people getting ticked off, like ready to throw a table at someone else. <laughs> I mean, all those emotions that created the court appearance anyways would all come out, and there's something about it that was far more healing than anything you would have in um, a court. Does that make well, sense? it does make sense. Here's the thing I want to talk about. Mediator tough job it is tough job i mean if your goal is win-win you're already getting in the game with somebody thinking they're i'm going to win you're going to lose you know i i mean as much as we want to say we're going to go to the win-win we're going to go to mediator each person thinks don't they that they have a case to get what they want at some level right yes right i mean why would you ever be on judge judy's court give me a break why does any why do two people agree to go to court on television with Judge Judy. She isn't nice to anybody. She you doesn't care if you have a good case or not. They want to be right. They want to be, they want to be publicly acknowledged as right. And that means that someone will be publicly acknowledged as wrong. And they want to have it on the record in full sight of everyone around to feel justification that whatever their thinking was, was right. That's why they want it. Mm. Uh, let's talk about some of the toughest cases you've done. Yeah, I, I'll tell you the ones that just completely busted my heart open. So there are two um, guys. Um, they were coming in, and um, one was so the the plain fact was this gentleman gave and this you know person A gave a table to person B, and person A wanted that table back. Seems kind of straightforward, right? Like, okay, well, if you still have the table, give it back. If you don't have the table, try to do something to give that table back, right? I mean, it seems pretty straightforward. Well, these person A in this particular case was person A and B were two people who were part of a drug rehab program. Mm -hmm. And um, person A um, gave the table to person B and said, hey, I'm giving you this table. And then he was missing for about six months. He went on a binge was missing, um, left his girlfriend at the rehab center. Um, his buddy had no idea where he was. He was worried that his friend was dead. Seriously? Um, the girlfriend was just beyond herself because this guy just left mysteriously, didn't come back. And, you know, then this buddy's friend started dating the girlfriend and took the table and sold it because they just needed some money to make ends mm-hmm. meet. So, I mean, this was, you know, now what would a judge do? They would just say, okay, well, you know, you owe him a table. He got a table. What do you do with a table? Give him a table back. Give him, write him a check, right? But this was more than just about a table. This was about 
you know, someone going and having the fear of, like, his friend never returning. This is about someone losing his girlfriend. This is about so much more. And, you know, the healing for someone saying, I'm so mad at you because you left me, and I didn't even know. You were my best friend. You left me. I wasn't even sure if you were alive. You never even had the decency to call me. And I thought you were dead, and I was grieving for, like, six months. And I was also taking care of your girlfriend, and we didn't know what to do. So we flipped your table, you know, and the guy having to deal with his abandonment of his friend. And then the guy coming back and saying, well, I want my table back, right? Like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and I just sat there. I don't mean to laugh. At some level, it's like, my gosh, you know, we've just been taking care of you left and right, and you're worried about your table, dude. Yeah, but if a mediation hadn't occurred, the guy wouldn't have said to his friend, I never knew that, and I'm wow. sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm I'm really sorry, man, you know, and he was crying because he just, mm-hmm. like, I didn't even know if I was going to make it. Those were the six roughest months of my life, and I honestly didn't know whether I was going to make it, and I understand about the table. Like, I still need that table because I'm trying to, like, you know, get back, and I, I need that table, and I need the money. You know, so it was like, so then you brought two friends back together, you know, we were like, I'm sorry, and the other guy saying, I'm really sorry I sold your table. And it's not that I stole your girlfriend. I was trying to take care of her. And we ended up, you know, having a relationship later. But it wasn't out of an ill intent at all. You know, it's like so many things that would not have been decided in court or resolved. That's what I mean. There was so much more healing right. going on. Right. And so there's a lot of beautiful things that can happen at mediation. Um and a lot of things that just don't even come up in court. There was this one case where there's a guy who, like, there was just a stranger kind of arguing with each other, and there was a daughter involved, and they're arguing. And then and then finally, in mediation, you have this thing where you separate both parties, and you say, okay, I can't figure out what's going on, so I'm going to meet with you one-on-one privately. Tell me what's going on, um, because I, I can't figure out what's going on. And so um, this is a dispute about um, someone who was supposed to do a remodeling project, didn't complete it or partially completed it, and the person wanted to get a refund on it. So I'm like, okay, like, what's going on? Like, you know, just give them a refund. It seems pretty simple. And this person's like, well, my mom found this guy on a bus station, and she was, you know, good to bring this guy over and, and bring him over. And then he ends up falling in love with my mom, declaring that he loves her, and pinching her ass. Pitching her butt. Like, oh my gosh. This stuff would not have come up in court. But this is where the anger is coming from, right? Because you see this anger and indignation and just, you know, you're like, what is going on? I don't get it. Like, this is not that complicated, but there's all this other stuff surrounding the story. So it always goes to show you, you know, you may feel like you understand a perspective. You may feel like you um, know what's going on, but Generally, you probably don't know what's going on at all, so it's good not to judge, to be open, to hear both sides, and to really not be in a place of judgment, because until you hear both sides of the story, um, you don't know anything. Yeah, you know, honestly, I mean, I mean, this, this, this really talks to a related issue. I was out with some people uh, in a business environment. We were walking down the street, and it was like a homeless person. Uh, and I go through this all the time. I always think there's like a spiritual lesson for me to really just school somebody, just chew their asses right out about something. And you know, I'm not very judgmental, 
you know, uh, when it comes to, to life. I mean, I, I believe let people kind of live their lives. But when it comes to homeless people, I go off like a crazy person because I was homeless at 17. So I walk down the street, right? And there's this, there's this woman, you know, and she's standing there and, you know, tip, right, you know, Capitol Hill, Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. Typical purple hair with the ring nose thing and smoking the cigarette and she she says do you have any change and you know i had my hand in my pocket before you know b- before she even asked mm-hmm. and i simply walked up to her and i think i gave her you know 2 bucks or something and you know and we walked down the street and later we got coffee and one of the people in the group made a comment you know he didn't say anything to me in that moment right and he said something like Weren't you afraid to, uh, what he was trying to say, weren't you afraid she was going to touch you? You know what I mean? I mean, he, he said, weren't you afraid to give her money? Okay, so broad daylight. You ready for this? Walking down the street, kids looking for money. Weren't you afraid to give her money? And And I thought, okay, here we go. Here we go. And I said, no, I actually, you know, I mean, you know, what was it about her that you were afraid of? And... Uh, you know, and he he kind of went around in circles, and then the woman we were with kind of chimed in to kind of save him. Basically, it turned out to be a conversation. Forget about the business we were going to talk about. That that I I was like, you know what? I'm just not even doing business with these people. Mm-hmm. The conversation turned out to be about the homeless people and the homeless kid. Mm-hmm. And I just sat there, CJ, for about ten minutes because I really wanted to drink my coffee. <laughs> listening to them talking about why this kid couldn't pick herself up. Oh. You know, you know this and they don't know who I am. They they do right. not know anything about me, about the homeless. I was homeless 17. Honest to God, I used to ask for quarters at the Port Authority in New York. So you used I to just, do what at the Port Authority? Port Authority, you know, be look I would I would be like Hey, you got a quarter. I'm trying to get home. You know, like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was really good at it, by the way. I was really good. Really good at it. Um, Because I needed money to eat. Right. I mean, I needed money to eat. But the conversation and the judgment around this kid went from this woman, young woman, to a global conversation about homeless. And and, and, you know, there's a moment in your life where you say to yourself, what do you do? Right? What do you do? Here you are, and you're in a, in a moment where you could say something about your history or not. What would you have done? I would have said, you know what, you really don't know. I was actually homeless for a period of time, and you really don't know. And I mean, half of those kids on the street, right, they're either thrown out of home, they're housed, they're gay, they have some type of mental issue, you know, like they have like some type of mental issue that cannot be resolved, like they're off their meds. I mean, yep. you just don't know. And so to judge people, really, and you just don't know. You never know the full story. And usually when you know the full story, you can start feeling like, wow, okay, maybe I'd be on the street too. You know, right. if I had those same, usually when I hear the stories, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Right. Here's why this person that I'm coaching at Microsoft doesn't talk to anyone anymore because she, you know, had a sexual abuse issue, right? You're like, oh, okay. 
totally makes sense why she doesn't want to talk to people. Right. Or she feels fearful of people. You just really don't know. So it's best not to judge because you honestly don't know what is causing what you believe is kind of behavior that you don't understand. And that's well, one of the things I, I really learned from coaching because once you understand and start hearing this story, oh, my gosh, you could totally understand. You would be there yourself, right? You're like, okay, I would be doing the same thing. Yeah. You know? Well, and I mean, we're talking about you, C.J. Lewis, my very special guest today, Spiritual Lessons Learned as Cart Mediator. I mean, I don't even understand how someone builds the kind of character to be a court mediator. And what I mean is, you know, how you build character to step into a room and be completely objective. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm sure there are were, there were moments where you, you would lean one side or the other. But how did that test your, your spirit? How did that really test your spirituality in general? And what lesson did you learn from, you, you know, that place of neutrality? Because the decisions are yours. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're well, the, the one that's going to make a decision. The decisions are the clients. That's the key thing is that, in the mediation, you're not deciding anything. You are not the mm-hmm. arbiter of fairness or correctness or what you think is the best solution. Mm-hmm. It's the clients who are the two people who are arguing that are the are owners of whatever solutions they come up with. And, you know, there are definitely times where I thought, wow, that person's getting really screwed. <laughs> and I can't believe it. I would never accept this deal. And you know what? It really doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> That person's happy with that deal, so you better just butt out. Like, it's funny because I, first of all, I would say that here are the spiritual lessons. The one is that you really learn to not judge and to stay out of it because what's right for you may not be right for another person and what's wrong for you may be right for another person. You just really don't know. And so you have to believe that the person who is in sitting across from you knows the very best thing for them. And if they say it's okay, it's okay. And it really doesn't matter what you think and what your feelings of fairness are. It, don't assume that you know what's best for someone. You know, I was just reading, um, I did an interview recently with Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. And I was reading his father's book on the four agreements. And it's like, I think one of the four agreements is don't assume and don't yeah. judge. Yeah. And I think that through my experience with coaching, because I've heard of all these stories, and when you hear the backstory of why something has happened, you understand that like, you really shouldn't judge because once you know the full story, there's usually a lot of legitimate good reasons why those things happen or that person is that way. So I think that helped a lot with my court mediation. And then the mediations themselves were even a further challenge because I would hear stuff where I'm like, this is not fair. In, in the pure, like, 50-50 world, this isn't fair. But you know what? That person was happy with the agreement. They just wanted resolution. And they didn't care about the $3,000 or the $6,000. What they cared and what meant most to them was an apology, a sincere apology from the person's heart. And i got to tell you, 90% of the time, mm-hmm. the best thing to do to resolve a dispute is to just say sorry <laughs> And to oh, forgive yeah. the person. Yeah. I can't even tell you how many mediations I went through when someone said, I just want them to say sorry. They never at any point said sorry. And they never took any accountability for the damage that they did. And all I want them to do is say sorry. And the person would say, I'm sorry. And then the person, and, and when that happened, you could feel the entire 
energy in the room shift around because forgiveness was granted, right? For all parties, all of a sudden, the, I forgive, you know, please, I'm asking you for my get forgiveness. The person forgives it back, and you can feel it energetically, and it would shift the whole mediation. Then you could talk rationally. All right, let's figure out how we do Okay, how about if you give me $4,000 and I give you, like, you know, $2,000 worth of service? Okay, fine. <laughs> but it was always, and you hear this all the time in spiritual things, right? Forgiveness, it's important to give forgiveness. It's important to give your forgiveness to yourself, forgiveness to others. And when that happens, seriously, I've seen magic occurring. Yeah. Just the power of forgiveness, the power of not judging, the power of truly seeking first to understand versus being understood. Those mm. are all things that I saw as powerful spiritual lessons that I saw and could feel in my bones. Like you could literally in the mediation could feel the energy shifting around. You could see the physiology of that person shifting around and know that something something greater than those two people and their dispute had happened. Does that oh make my sense? God. Oh, yeah. Let's take a short break. It makes more than sense. When we come back, we're going to talk about how these spiritual lessons can be infused in every day of your life. I mean, right now, forgiveness, you know, here's the reality of what uh, a few people shared on my show about a week ago. You know, the reality is that, you know, these are economically tough times, even though consciousness uh, for most people still is expressed through joy. You know, there have been changes that have happened in families. Uh, there have been homes that are, are, are being lost still today. How do we look at forgiveness, not just to ourselves, but forgiveness in situations where we believe we don't have control? Where is the place of forgiveness? And how do we come to that win-win place that C.J. Liu is talking about? When we come back, lessons learned from a court mediator, C.J. Liu, fabulous, fabulous life coach, and more host of Fire It Up with C.J. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. What if your best friend could take a peek into the future? Psychic, author, and cosmic coach Dougal Fraser is that friend. He's the queer guy with a third eye. From gossip to gurus, meditation to martinis, The Dougal Fraser Show is a call-in advice show that provides insights and information on creating your best life. Every Tuesday at 10, he'll take calls and talk about love, money, sex, pop culture, and give free advice. No topic is off limits. It's The Dougal Fraser Show. Ladies, are you living an inspired life? Do you yearn for a more passionate, dream-filled life? Here's Linda Joy, founder of Aspire Magazine, and she has a gift for you. Aspire has launched its Mission to Inspire initiative with a commitment to give away 100,000 one-year digital subscriptions to women around the globe. Every subscription comes with a multitude of free gifts from our team inspiration partners. To claim it all, go to AspireMag.net today. No purchase necessary and live an inspired life. Are you feeling stuck? Do you want to be free from fears and doubts and finally feel good about yourself, but you just don't know how to get there? Dr. Schaub's Accelerated Breakthrough Program provides you with the tools and solutions to go beyond your limitations and achieve self-empowered confidence. Call for your free phone consultation at 866-903-MIND. Visit CellularWisdom.com. That's CellularWisdom.com. TransformationTalkRadio.com. 
informing the world one listener at a time. Imagine you had a way to protect yourself from cancer, depression, disease, and dispel the nastiest bugs that attempt to hide undetected. Take a moment to wonder, how does that feel? How powerful? Did you know that enough golden sunlight produces vitamin D in your body to protect itself against disease? Producing enough vitamin D can kill cancer, even help with weight loss. This amazing little vitamin is actually not a vitamin at all, but a powerhouse of protection that can activate your body's innate healing ability, but only if you have enough in your blood to shine the light. Tune in to award-winning author Dr. Lucinda Messer as she shares how you can harness the power of sunlight to create a healthy body and mind. Her book, Powerful Medicine, Vitamin D, Shedding Light on a Worldwide Health Crisis, is like having a vitamin D expert on hand to answer all your health questions. For more information, visit PowerfulD.com. All right, I guess we're back on CJ Lou on the Dr. Pat show right here. We're just going on and on and on. <laughs> we were just going on and on and on. You know, CJ, you're talking, we're talking about mediation and we're going to talk about, you know, some of the spiritual lessons. You know, here's the deal. You and I were talking during a break because we're going to be doing a panel at the Northwest, Northwest Women Show mm-hmm. about what it means to lose your home, both from a financial point of view and emotional point of view. And one of the things that has happened here recently in the state of Washington, right? I don't know if you know this, uh, but they uh, implemented a mediation process. Mm-hmm. Now, albeit about three years too late, in my opinion, I got a little opinion about this, but they did implement they did implement that, you know, which gave people and the banks they had to come to the table to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. I often wonder what would have happened. If some some genius uh, out there may have looked at the bigger picture and say, "Wow, before we foreclose all these, how about a little mediation?" What do you think? Yeah, you know, I think actually once you find out, you know, it's so easy to look at a piece of paper and a bunch of numbers and say, "No, you know what? No, this is." I'm going to look at the numbers, and this is what banking banking people have to do, right? They have to look at the numbers, they have to look at probabilities of success and failure, getting paid back. And they have to make a decision without knowing anything about that particular person, you know, and the caliber of that person, what, you know, what they can do, what's the possibility. And I think in, in mediation you can get that, right? You can see that person and you can say, and you can actually say no, you know, you have to actually face that person and their reality versus just sending a form letter back saying, I'm sorry, we're foreclosing on the blah, blah, blah. I think is banks were to sit down and hear the people and hear their situation, I think that they would feel more accountable for a lot of the, a lot of the mess that they got people into. You know, and they, but, they're, but they're not. They just look at people as numbers and as objects and as things that have to be managed and organized for profitability versus people with real-life scenarios that need to be understood. And I think if they sat down and took the time to understand the people, mm-hmm. that there would probably be better solutions. But, you know, they also have, and to be fair, from a business perspective, they don't have a, a, the, all the time in the world to figure this out, so it's hard. 
It's yeah, a hard, it is hard scenario. I think it was. I think it is a hard scenario because we do get to look back. You know, we do get to look back. Um, you know, but honestly, what's not a really hard scenario for me is, you know, the um, um, the healthcare system and the fact that, you know, I don't know about your parents, but you know, certainly myself, my friends, and you know, their family have worked a lot of years, and you know. It's nice now to say you're not going to have health insurance so that, you know, if you're 20 years old, you can plan not to have health insurance. Mm -hmm. But if you're somebody that's 65 and retired and thought you were going to have health insurance and now you don't, it's a, it's a game changer. Yeah. And so, you know, there are things about mediation and spiritual lessons that, um, I think come up because we do need to enter this world of forgiveness. And forgiveness doesn't mean we condone the act. So I just want to be clear about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean we condone it. But at the same time, you know, what we're doing is having to let go of it. And I, I actually think that's one of the most difficult challenges we have in life. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things, um, I did a silent retreat. I was silent. Can you imagine, Dr. Pat? I was silent for five days straight. It's hard to wow. wait. <laughs> wow. I was silent for five days. And All right. during one of the mediations, they had a Buddhist poem, and um, it offers three levels of forgiveness. And I think that this really gets at the heart of the matter, because there's three levels of forgiveness. First, you have to forgive yourself, and I think that oftentimes it's the forgiveness of ourselves that we forget the most, and it's that's hard. the most damaging, right? Yeah, it's the hardest. It's the hardest. Yeah. yeah, so you have to forgive yourself. You have to forgive the other person, and then you have to... Ask that other person to forgive you, and that's really hard, right? Because you're like, what the heck did I do wrong, right? <laughs> but, but generally, when there's something that happens, there's always an accountability on both directions in every single time. And when you can actually take accountability for it, I think that helps, right? I mean, now, what did the person do wrong? Uh, you know, in the case of, med- of health care, like, what did they do wrong? Well, I don't, you know, it's a, it's a hard one, but, like, you just have to imagine, like, well, I don't know. I'm sure I did something. What I did, I don't know. But I ask, you know, and, and the poem goes, um, for, in, in any which, for any way in which my confusion, anger, or doubt um, hurt you, I ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Or something like, if I, for any way that my confusion, anger, and doubt led to, you know, bad words or, you know, hurtful behaviors, I ask for your forgiveness. I... I ask you to forgive me, and I ask, um, um, and um, I forgive you. You know, so you kind of go through that whole series. And I tell you, when you go through that, you figure out where you're stuck in terms of forgiving. Are you not? Are you having? Are you stuck with forgiving yourself? Or are you stuck with asking forgiveness? Or are you stuck with forgiving someone else? And you know, I think that that's probably the key thing when you're at a point of forgiveness is to figure out where you have resistance and to ask yourself why you have that resistance and how you're going to get over it. Because if you don't forgive yourself, then that thing is a 100-pound weight carrying that you carry around with you until you forgive, honestly. I know. You know, one of the most interesting aha moments was I, I went up to Port Townsend, one of my first uh, trips up to Port Townsend, and I uh, my friends were getting a psychic reading uh, by one of the psychics that comes to Port Townsend, you know, every mm-hmm. summer. And I wasn't going to go in the room, you know, it was a tea leaf kind of thing. It was, you know, like that. And it was really, you know, quite in depth and everybody else went. They went first, I went last. So here I go, I go upstairs and I walk into the room. 
I take two steps into the room, and the woman says to me, don't come any closer to me. And I'm like, whoa. She said, you are carrying three caskets that are chained to your body with you. Ew. Who are they? And wow. I was like, okay, I'm going to get a crash course in forgiveness from this psychic uh, that reads tea leaves. And that's actually what I did. I mean, you know, that's what it took for me. And, you know, the realization that I had been carrying, she didn't mm-hmm. say carrying around baggage. So you got three, she called them metal, three metal caskets that are chained to you. Mm-hmm. Who are they? And, you know, I think this is part of, you know, some of the other things you talk about um, as, you know, spiritual lessons court mediator. One of the things you, you refer to is, you know, leaving your personal perspective and what you constitute as fairness and justice at home. I yeah. think that is tough. I think at some level forgiveness is easier than the fairness and justice card. I really do. (laughs) I think it's my personality, though. But fairness and justice is purely subjective. I mean, what you think is fair is completely different to another person. What they may may view as fairness is not about, like, making sure the dollar and cents line up. They want to feel emotionally heard, and they want to feel emotionally secure, and that could be the only thing that they need for fairness to happen, which may be different than, you know, I'm I'm Chinese, and I'm totally, like, thinking about the dollar and cents all the time. <laughs> Seriously, I'm always, like, trying to scratch it, like, okay, well, that's, like, so 50% of that, and I'll use how much money, and there's, you know, like, this is how you make it all right financially. But there's a lot of other things going on. You know, and they usually happen in the emotional realm. And what someone needs emotionally to feel fair may be something different than money at all. So I think that a dollar and cents look at fairness is probably a more limited way of looking at it, which is, of course, the only way I looked at it until I did mediation. And I was like, wow, there's other stuff going on that people really need that's beyond just a dollar and cents fairness. Or what's what's right and wrong is totally... I mean, what you view as right and wrong could be completely different. I actually had a person who was cheating on his wife, and um, he had a girlfriend who made a commitment. He made a commitment to pay for her a series of classes that she was taking. And I was like, what? You know? (laughs) I'm like, oh, there's so many things going on here that I have a hard time personally with. But you know what? Who Who's to say? Like, I don't know what the story is with this guy's marriage. I have no idea if his wife knows that he has this girlfriend. I mean, I really don't know anything, so you better just shut up and listen to what the facts are <laughs> and leave your personal judgments, you know, outside the court mediation room because it's not for you to judge. Wow. You know, I mean, isn't that hard? Can you imagine? Well, come on. You know, let, let, let's talk about this from a, you know, I mean, we got 10 minutes left and I'm going to bring this up now. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about this from a, from a pop culture point of view. Okay. OMG, CJ. <laughs> come on. The most watched television shows are reality shows where people are judged. Holy cow. Whether it's Project One Runway, The Voice, American Idol, we are so now knee-deep, millions. It's not just in this culture. It's worldwide where we are sitting there thinking, oh, my goodness, she can't sing to save her life. Really? You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, here we, and this is our youth, and you have children. How do you talk to your young people about fairness, justice, mediation, when they can't wait to text to pick the American Idol contestant that they want? Yeah. Well, it's it's really hard because I think that there's one level of, like, you know what, you really shouldn't judge because you don't know. And then there's, like, and the reality is is that there is still – I know, I know it's really hard, honey, but you know what? There is still this way that people judge you. And so, you know, you can't say poopy. <laughs> I know, like, you say it to mommy and all these other instances when you're at home, and in some certain contexts it's okay, but in those contexts it's not, and I know it's confusing, and still you can't say it because people judge you. And, and until we... I mean, it's, 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 you ask a really relevant question. What's your answer to it? I don't know the answer. Aside well, from that. I'll tell you my answer to it. You know, ten women sitting around a room watching the Oscars the other night. <laughs> okay, I, 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 I'm telling you, nine of them are cheering because Meryl Streep wins. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there and I said, you've got to be kidding me. Right? And then, of course, Meryl Streep, in her acceptance speech, says, she says, you know, I bet half of America is out there saying, oh, brother, her again? That was me. And and she said, whatever. But, but, But I'm just trying to say, you know, here we are in 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 so many different levels being given the opportunity to share our opinion. Be, you know, being being able to, you know, did I think Viola Davis should have won? You bet your you-know-what I did. Mm-hmm. But who cares what I think? You know, did, it was, did I have a story about why she didn't win? I don't know that I went quite that far, but my friend did. So, you know, here we go, and now we're in, we're, now we're in the world, and we're in corporate America. And we're judged every day, CJ. Come on, let's get real about this judging and fairness thing. Mm-hmm. Every corporation that that holds a grain of anything has a performance management system. Most of them have performance management systems that aren't really about performance, if you think about it. And so here we have an entire mechanism that's all about fairness and justice. And when you are in a place like the workplace, I mean, you are at a workplace, and you are being judged, and you don't think it's fair. Where do you go with that? You, have you, to see, accept, you have see what's to happening. Just accept. I mean, there is nothing you can do to change systems like that. You could probably spend your whole life trying to change a system that has been around forever. Um, and you could. But I think that the, the opposite of judgment is acceptance. And so in this case, it's like instead of judging the judging, you have to accept that the judging is occurring. I know that's kind of a word. <laughs> That makes sense. Like in some ways, the opposite of judgment is acceptance, and so in some ways, you have to accept that this is just happening. It's not resigning, not saying I like that this is happening. I'm glad that people are judging other people's self worth on TV, um, but it's like you have to accept that this is also part of what is. That doesn't mean that you have to resign yourself, but some of it is just acceptance. This is the way that it is. And you could spend a lot of time and probably change it a little, but it's still people, and there are good reasons why people have to judge, because people need to discern what is good and not good for them. And so judgment in, in the way that you're describing is, is difficult, but if you take it from the broad perspective of what judgment offers, 
it's not so bad, right? Like what would happen if you didn't judge day in, day out what to do? Well, I will tell you one thing. You're absolutely right. We're making judgments all the time. You know, we go out to a restaurant, we get a we get a piece of food on our plate, and we're deciding whether we want it or not. And, and if we don't like it, we're not going to tip. I mean, that's a small example. Now, ramp that up to the latest political debates and some of the things that are going on right now in our political system and the conversations that are going on. I mean, it used to be, uh, my dad used to tell me, by the way, uh, my mom, it used to be, when politicians kind of ran against each other, there was a line that didn't get crossed. Mm-hmm. And Michael said to me a couple of weeks ago in Italian, I think this is what he said, but he said a couple of curse words that begin with F. <laughs> um, but his bottom line was that they don't have respect for each other. Yeah. You know, and basically what he was saying is, he was saying, you know, if you, if you, are intelligent, if you have something of significance to say, then the words that you say carry them carry all the weight alone. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, this is my uncle, like 93. And, you know, basically what he was saying is that if people were to see beyond the disgrace, they could find the truth. And he said, if you can't, then there's no substance. This is my 93-year-old uncle, half mm. Italian, half... I'm like, got the, I got the Beautiful. little dictionary. I'm looking up words, right? And what he was saying was that, has the, in his words, has this country gotten to the place where, and he says men, where men can't sit across the table from each other and come to a reasonable place about what they disagree about? And I thought... I didn't know what to say to him, CJ. I, I was, I was in awe. I was, I was, uh, uh, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, we, unfortunately, p- politics have degraded into a very different place than when he was, you know, when he was younger, when he was probably thinking about politicians and they had grace and camaraderie and, you know, someone said to me, you know, remember when Bob Dole was running and you're like, oh, God, Bob Dole. I'd love Bob Dole to run now. <laughs> I think he's like <laughs> someone who has so much grace and honor. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, I wish Bob Dole were, you know, running for president as Republican. I, I may even vote for him. I mean, but at the time, you're like, ah, Bob Dole, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know what? There's a certain amount of honor and um, loyalty and grace that, you just don't see happening right now, and it's. I, I don't know who changed. You know what happened in the game of politics, but the fundamental rules of courtesy and respect were, are, have just been thrown to the wayside. And when that happens, that then you know if someone changed the rules of the game, and that's why they're now arguing in the way that they did. When did the rules change? How did they change? And until we change those rules to be different rules. I mean, it's sad that I don't see your grandfather's outcome happening. Mm-hmm. You know, even Obama tried to change those rules by changing, like, you know, he spoke the truth, but even admits, like, you can't, even when you could be speaking the truth, but if you're amidst a, a bunch of people who don't even want to hear the truth, it doesn't matter. Well, you know, this is a great way to sort of end the show in, 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 in a strange kind of great way. <laughs> you know, we live in the state of Washington. And, you know, when I talk to my friends back at the East Coast or, or we go back at the East Coast, there's a certain perception, right? I grew up on the East Coast. Certain perception about who we are. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so interesting. I, I alluded to the fact that uh, we have a governor, Christine Gregoire, uh, who uh, initiated the uh, mediation, right, between the banks to save homes. Again, she comes under the radar in the state of Washington and puts forth same-sex, uh, same-sex marriage uh, act, mm-hmm. right? Who knew that that action on her behalf would turn into... Um, one of the strongest platforms for uh, same-sex marriage right now in this election. So here we come, like, under the radar with this, right? You know what I'm saying? Just did all these Washington people sitting out there, you know, growing apple trees and cutting down them, cutting, growing them and cutting them down. I mean, honestly, the way that we're, we're depicted. But every once in a while, something will happen to put us on the map. Yes. And I found it so interesting how this governor did two things, one of them the mediation uh, aspect of it, and now this, mm-hmm. um, in such grace and silence. I mean, what do you make of that? Mm. You know it's what? interesting. I, it, you know, nobody's quiet about it anymore. I mean, yeah, you know. No, she, yeah. I think that um, I actually have a friend that works for her, and, he has the utmost respect for her because she does. She has the courage and conviction to stand up for what's right. You know, despite like all the poll, you know, it's like, you know, if she listened to polling and all that stuff, she would probably not make those decisions. But she's kind of drawing from her heart and why people really did elect her, which is they knew that ultimately when it came down to making the right moral decision that she would make it. And I think that there's, you know, too many politicians spend too many time, too much time listening to public opinion versus doing what they know in their heart is right. And I think when you have a leader like Christine Gregoire who follows her heart, does what she knows, and her heart of hearts is the right thing to do, that it just says a lot about her leadership abilities, about her conviction and her strength and courage. Well, and that sort of is a great way to end the show because we did talk about spiritual lessons from mediating. You know, we did talk about justice and fairness. And I think I want to end this, CJ. First of all, let me thank you for joining me here today. Let's give out your website to everybody so they know oh, how to find sure, out yeah. more about Listen to my show. Friend me. That's what I want right now. I don't have enough friends. so Yeah, <laughs> I don't either. Go over uh, to the Fired Up with CJ fan page on Facebook and friend me. I'd be ever so grateful to have some friends. Um, and my show is www.firedupwithcj.com. It's so much fun to talk to you, Dr. Pat. I love you. I think we're great. We always have such a great time. And, you know, one of the things I want to say, I mean, thank you for doing what you do. And, you know, one of the things I've learned here recently, you know, uh, through a personal challenge in my life, is what does it mean to stand in your yes? Mm. What does that mean? You know, what are you willing to face? What are you willing to forgive? And thank you for shining a light on this tonight. Because sometimes standing in our yes means that we do have to step forth without judgment, you know, and take a position that is for the betterment of the world, the betterment of us as individuals, but more importantly, to have a voice. Thank you, CJ, for joining me here today. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Pat.
Great show, everybody. Thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on if you've missed any part of this. Don't forget, you know, you got a friend CJ over here. <laughs> but, you, you know, don't forget, if you missed any part of this, we'll have the archive up in about uh, three or four days. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Love you, Dr. Pat. I love you, CJ, and we'll see you this weekend. Those of okay. you out there, go to TransformationTalkRadio.com or the com. Thank you, everybody at BBS Radio. You guys rock. We'll see you next time. Transformation Talk Radio. Our hosts are setting a new standard for a fresh kind of talk radio, creating conversations that are transforming the world, one listener at a time. Transformation Talk Radio's mission is to broadcast a distinct blend of live talk radio interviews with a mix of uplifting and intelligent news, educational and practical information. Topics range from personal development to critical issues relevant to a rapidly changing world. Stay tuned. Transformation Talk Radio starts at the top of every hour. Transformation Talk Radio is designed to attract people like you and like me. Millions of people across the globe are looking to up-level their lives. If you have a message and want to take it out on Transformation Talk Radio, make sure you give us a call, 1-800-930-2819, or send an email to host at transformationtalkradio.com and get ready to host your own show on one of the fastest-growing transformative networks in the world. Transformation Talk Radio. Transformation, 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 talk radio, transformation, talk radio.com, transforming the world.